Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Thursday, April 29th. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. President Joe Biden celebrating his 100th day in office today after addressing Congress, where he outlined a series of bold initiatives ranging from gun control to poverty in America. And a wave of deaths at the hands of police. New developments in the case of Andrew Brown Jr. in North Carolina as officials in Chicago release additional video in the death of a 22-year-old there. And a major new announcement about coronavirus vaccine supply here in the U.S., even as demand falters in some regions. This and much more today on U News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin in Washington, where President Biden is officially marking his 100th day in office, a day after addressing Congress last night. The president laying out an ambitious economic agenda with trillions of dollars of proposed spending for jobs, education and infrastructure. Today, the president will be pushing those plans in person with a trip to Georgia. Edwin Piti has the very latest details from Washington, D.C. Edwin. That's right, Andrea. I can tell you that a day after his first speech in front of a joint session of Congress, President Biden is celebrating his first 100 days in office, but he's doing it by continuing to push for his agenda. Today, Biden made his way to Georgia to rally for many of his proposals, especially the importance of defending voting access for every single American, something that has been challenged by Georgia's state legislature. Also, Democrats on Capitol Hill are getting ready to travel the country to personally explain to their constituents the benefits behind Biden's proposals, such as the American Families Act, that according to the president, will create millions of jobs. Take a listen. Independent experts estimate the American Jobs Plan will add millions of jobs and trillions of dollars to economic growth in the years to come. It is a it is an eight-year program. These are good-paying jobs that can't be outsourced. The American Jobs Plan is a blue-collar blueprint to build America. That's what it is. Meanwhile, Republican lawmakers are reacting to the president's proposals. This is what Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said just moments ago. And the president talked about unity and togetherness while reading off a multi-trillion dollar shopping list that was neither designed nor intended to earn bipartisan buy-in. A blueprint for giving Washington even more money and even more power to micromanage American families and build the country's liberal elites want instead of the future Americans want. It's going to be a bumpy road ahead for the White House and the GOP, especially since Biden is proposing an increase in government services at the expense of hiking taxes, an increase that Republicans do not support. Another contentious issue will be immigration, of course. He's calling on Congress to act on his proposals. If you don't like my plan, let's at least pass what we all agree on. Congress needs to pass legislation this year to finally secure protection for dreamers. The young people have only known America as their home. And permanent protection for immigrants who are here on temporary protective status who came from countries beset by man-made and natural-made violence and disaster. 
as well as a pathway to citizenship for farm workers who put food on our tables. There is a long road ahead, but Biden is committed to negotiate with Republicans on every topic on the table, because according to the president, the worst thing they can do is not to do absolutely anything. That's what I have live from Washington, D.C. Andrea, back to you. Thank you, Edwin, for that complete recap. And a new jobs report is in. Americans filed 553,000 first-time unemployment claims last week, the Labor Department reported. While numbers remain ele elevated, the upward momentum signals that growing vaccinations, loosening business restrictions and warmer weather are helping to heal the jobs market. And for the first time since the global coronavirus pandemic, most Americans feel good about the economy. SSRS conducted a CNN poll released Wednesday. Surveyors asked more than 1,000 people about economic conditions right here in the U.S. 54% said economic conditions are either somewhat or very good. Compare that to last May when 65% of Americans said quite the opposite. They thought economic conditions at that time were somewhat poor or very poor. 51% of Americans also approve of President Biden's handling of the economy. And on Capitol Hill, the Senate on Wednesday approved a measure to restore an Obama-era rule cracking down on methane emissions in the oil and gas industries. The move is part of the Biden administration's push to combat climate change. It was a mostly party-line vote with 52 in favor and 42 opposed. Republican Senators Susan Collins, Lindsey Graham and Rob Portman sided with Democrats to approve this resolution and now moves to the House. House of Representatives. And now to policing in America. In North Carolina, a judge delaying a public release of body camera footage of the deadly incident that claimed the life of 42-year-old Andrew Brown Jr. And in Chicago, another incident now under scrutiny. This one involving a 22-year-old Latino man. Police there releasing body cam video of that deadly encounter. Uh, the court is going to find a judge in North Carolina ruling members of Andrew Brown Jr.'s family can review additional body camera footage from the deputies, possibly giving them a better account of what happened during the shooting last Wednesday in Elizabeth City. Andy Jr. has been silenced. So his voice now on those cameras. That's how he will speak to us. And that will be his side of the story. The judge also ruled the names and faces of the officers will be blurred to protect their identities. However, that video footage won't be made public, at least not right now. County Sheriff Tommy Wooten saying he wanted the judge to allow the public to see the recordings. Is this the outcome that you were hoping for or looking for? Uh, not totally, no, sir. Well, what would have been the ideal outcome for you? Release. Full release. Mm. Because? for the community transparency. Pasquotank County District Attorney Andrew Womble telling the court body cam footage shows Brown's car came into contact with law enforcement twice before he says officers opened fire. The next movement of the car is forward. It is in the direction of law enforcement and makes contact with law enforcement. It is then and only then that you hear shots. Meanwhile, in Chicago, police releasing body cam footage from the March 31st shooting of 22-year-old Anthony Alvarez. 
Images show responding officers chased Alvarez by car and then on foot. When one officer rounds a corner several feet behind Alvarez, Alvarez is seen in body cam footage with his back towards officers. The officer says drop the gun twice and then hey, opens the fire. The video shows Alvarez dropping what appears to be a gun into nearby grass as he is shot. The medical examiner's office declared Alvarez's death a homicide. The officer involved in Anthony Alvarez's shooting has been placed on administrative leave. Meanwhile, in North Carolina, the judge's delay for public release of that body cam footage will last anywhere between 30 to 45 days, he says, to protect ongoing investigations. And today we're learning more about the death of Mario Gonzalez, a Latino man in Alameda, California, who died after police pinned him to the ground for several minutes. Luis Mejid brings us those details. How's it going? Hi. Just coming to check on you, make sure you're okay. The Somebody encounter call. between Mario Gonzalez and the police begins like so many others. Was it Mario? But the almost friendly exchange quickly fades when the officers try to arrest him. The unarmed 26-year-old screams in pain when they put a knee on his back. If the video is hard to watch, imagine how difficult it was for his mother. Every night she has nightmares. She can't forget the face of his dying son. Officially, there is not yet a cause of death. Initially, the police said it was because of medical reasons affirming that Gonzalez died at the hospital. But his girlfriend said that that was a lie. He was killed right at the scene. The family is asking for justice. Even though there are three different investigations, for them the real cause of death is pretty clear. And they can't look away. In Alameda, California, Luis Mejid, U News. U.S. health officials are feeling optimistic over the state of the pandemic, saying vaccinations are helping control the spread, while Moderna is promising more doses, even as demand dwindles. Lorraine Caceres has the latest. Health officials in the U.S. breathing a sigh of relief. The impact that the vaccine is having, it's even better than what you would have expected. We're seeing the number cases go down. We're seeing people in the elderly group, the number of hospitalizations and deaths going way down. It's all as a result of vaccination. Dr. Anthony Fauci hoping the FDA will soon fully approve COVID vaccines, a move that could help improve hesitancy. All three vaccines currently being given in the U.S. only have emergency use authorization. When you're getting a, a formal approval you have to have a certain amount of time just observing the, predominantly the safety and, the, and obviously the, the safety looks really, really good in well over 140 million people having been vaccinated with at least a single dose. Uh, that's the kind of thing that the FDA will do as expeditiously as possible. Supply now abundantly available and there is more to come. Moderna announcing its goal is to make up to 1 billion doses of its COVID-19 vaccine this year, with the goal of 3 billion doses next year. But until demand improves around the country, doses are going unused and in some cases going to waste. This FEMA site in Tulsa seeing about 200 people a day, but has the capacity for 3,000. In Philadelphia, 3,000 doses set to expire this afternoon. 
In New York City, primary care physicians are now vaccinating patients right in their office, making it easier to overcome language barriers and trust concerns. The mayor says he plans to fully reopen the city on July 1st, and the state also lifting curfews on bars and restaurants by the end of May. Meanwhile, as the world watches India struggle with a severe wave of coronavirus infections, the list of countries banning flights grows, but the U.S. still not taking that step. We would make those determinations based on the advice of our health and medical team. Uh, they haven't made that determination at this point. And right now, the White House has announced that it is sending over to India over $100 million worth of medical supplies. Yesterday, the U.S. military mobilizing to ship masks, oxygen, and also rapid testing kits. There's a lot of countries also contributing, like Russia and Singapore and also the U.K., everybody trying to pitch in on this crisis in India. Today, India recorded 380,000 cases of COVID-19. The country has seen 18 million cases since the start of the pandemic, but a million of those happened just in the last three days. Back to you, Andrea. It's just devastating what's happening there in India. Thanks so much for that report, Lorraine. Joining me now to discuss all this and this study is Danny Friedman. He's the managing director of Voto Latino. Danny, welcome to You News. Thanks so much for being with us today. Let's get to it. What's your reaction to those numbers from these studies? Yeah, well, it's really discouraging to see how much work it's going to take to make sure our community gets the information we need about vaccines. Um, and it's clear that disinformation and misinformation really are having an effect. It's not simply a matter of making sure folks have access to vaccine sites and uh, good medical information in English and in Spanish. There's also actors out there that are providing just outright falsehoods that are designed to discourage our community from taking the vaccine. Um, so we're, we're getting ready to combat it and we're continuing to combat it, but it's very uh, disappointing. As we can see in this study, hesitancy is higher among Spanish-speaking Latinos. What do you think is driving this? Yeah, you know, what I think it is is a, a lack of information that's accurate for our community. I mean, the Centers for Disease Control and other public health officials are really trying to drive the right information. But when your family receives some crank information on WhatsApp or Facebook and sends it around and that... Uh, creates additional doubt, it, it just contributes to the problem. Um, but in this, in this test, we found that bad information on, on Facebook and other sources ultimately are, are driving um, the hesitancy. So it, some people might have been hesitant anyways, but getting, getting bad information is making it worse. I just wonder what were some of the most common reasons among Latinos for not wanting to get this vaccine? Yeah, the main one was that they weren't sure that it was safe. So 51% uh, uh, thought that it would not be safe and that it would, uh, uh, that it would hurt them. Um, and, uh, and, and oftentimes they were actually getting that information from people that they knew, right? That they, uh, that they would not take it and they weren't sure that it would be safe. Now, you mentioned that Facebook is one of these online platforms that's kind of driving this misinformation. Do you think enough has been done to crack down on this misinformation that you have seen? We think there's definitely more to do. I mean, Facebook is providing good information as a company uh, to folks about how to receive the vaccine. But 
memes of many kinds and in many languages pop up on Facebook and other social media platforms every day that provide false information or inaccurate information, the very least. And then that gets shared and reshared on platforms that are closed, like Signal and WhatsApp and Telegram. Um, so it's it, in some cases, it's hard to track. Um, but it's also the case that sometimes local news will produce uh, inaccurate information. Sometimes folks don't have access to regular medical care, and so they're not able to ask follow-up questions. Um, so it's you know it's really incumbent upon all of us to make sure that folks are getting the right information. Vaccines are safe, uh, and we know that the government is doing uh, their watchdog role, as was the case when the uh, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine got put on pause. Right. So this is a system that is trustworthy and is designed to help keep us and our community safe. I've got the vaccine, my mom got the vaccine, and she's a, you know, Spanish dominant, older Latina lady, right? So, you know, there's all of our community can be safer and better off with the vaccine and, and return to normal life uh, as soon as we all get vaccinated. Now, many Latinos know a family member or a friend who is hesitant to get the vaccine. What is the best piece of advice to them? Yeah, it's uh, the first, that it's safe primarily, but also that re regular life can return, right? Kids can go back to school without masks once we're all vaccinated, right? We can get together for family gatherings uh, when folks are vaccinated, right? That, that regular life will return um, if we get vaccinated, because even though you may still get COVID with the vaccine, you are much less likely to have a severe uh, or deadly reaction to the virus, right? Which has claimed the lives of so many. And you are considerably less likely to spread the virus to other people. So you, you're able to keep yourself and your family members safe as a result. So come, come back to regular life, just get the vaccine. Thank you so much for this wonderful input, for this great advice. Thank you, Danny Friedman of Voto Latino. Take care. Thank you. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your News, your world, You News on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. The Department of Justice is allowing so-called sanctuary cities to receive federal grants for criminal justice efforts. This reverses a controversial Trump administration policy enacted in 2017, which cut off hundreds of millions of dollars in funding to cities that did not fully cooperate with the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement officers. Former Attorney General Jeff Sessions said government funding was contingent on allowing federal authorities to inquire about immigration status of detainees in jail. States and cities criticized the move, and it quickly became the subject of litigation. The Biden administration has told the Supreme Court to dismiss any pending cases concerning these sanctuary cities. Meanwhile, in Mexico, cartels near the border are turning to a new source of revenue, focusing on vulnerable people traveling from the United States. Paulina Gomez explains. 
masked men dressed in black blocking the road with vehicles. It is how they welcome travelers crossing from the United States by trying to rob their cars. Laredo, Texas is safer. I feel safer getting around in the night there. Here, I don't go anywhere after 5 p.m. This video published on social media explains that this happens daily. Citizens trying to dodge the cartels. At the bridge, they have to pay a hundred or two hundred dollar fee to cross at costumes, and on the roads, they are exhorted for three hundred, four hundred, five hundred dollars. Checkpoints believed to be controlled by the Cartel del Golfo are at the entrance of the far international bridge that connects Reynosa, Tamaulipas, with Mission, Texas. It is one of the busiest places to cross the border. Families entering Mexico into Nuevo Laredo are chased by members of the Noreste Cartel, acting with total impunity. The Tamaulipas government not only has historically been unsuccessful at combating organized crime groups, it has also been known to be complicit with these groups. This environment is reflected in the most recent alert the U.S. government has issued on the region. It is the highest alert level, which asks U.S. citizens not to travel to Tamaulipas, among other states. But despite impending risks, many have no choice. The cartels control everything here at the border, and with these criminals, life is not safe. Of course, it is so dangerous to be here, but we have need to. Three Tamaulipas roads are the most dangerous in the country. Despite the risk of traveling on the Tamaulipas roads, state authorities only recommend avoiding them at night. Paulina Gómez Bulsiner in Mexico City, U News. Thanks for listening to U News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow U News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.